Welcome to the Body Reclamation Podcast, a space for women who are ready to end the battle with body shame and food guilt. I'm your host, Nazira Sakasa, body image and embodiment coach. I'm here to support you to come home to your body and heal from emotional and binge eating. On this podcast, my guest and I explore in-depth conversations and we unpack the many layers that impact our relationship with our bodies and food. Get ready to reclaim your body as a source of wisdom, power, pleasure, and aliveness. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to the Body Reclamation Podcast. One of the questions I get asked a lot is, how do I not eat my feelings? So in this episode, I'm going to break down the five types of emotional eating. I'm going to share why so many of us turn to food as a coping strategy. I'm also going to share why emotional eating isn't always a bad thing. And I'm going to give you some tools and strategies to support you to feel your feelings instead of using food to numb or cope. All right, let's dive in. When my clients come to me and say they're struggling with emotional eating, they usually mean that they're eating for reasons other than hunger. This might include eating when they are feeling sad or angry, stressed, lonely, happy, or even excited. And this is because food can be a source of pleasure, connection, and yes, even comfort. One of the things that's really important to understand is that there are many types of emotional eating. Emotional eating exists on a continuum. On one side, there is the sensory gratification and pleasure. Then there's comfort eating, distraction eating. And on the other side of the continuum, there's sedation, numbing, and punishment. I'm going to break all of these down, and I invite you to get curious about how these forms of emotional eating show up in your life. We all eat emotionally, so there's no shame just about being curious to see how these show up in different areas of your life. So let's start with sensory gratification and pleasure. Finding pleasure from food is a necessary part of a healthy relationship with food. So perhaps that's about enjoying dessert with your girlfriends after a meal or having some ice cream with a loved one on a hot summer day. Whatever it is, we should all seek to find pleasure and enjoyment from food on a regular basis. The thing with pleasure in food is that it's gotten corrupted by diet culture. So pleasure and guilt now go hand in hand. And if we find pleasure in food, we usually say something like, oh, I'm so bad for having this or oh, I shouldn't, or maybe just one bite. But we have to remember that the diet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry that thrives on making us feel shame and guilt and like there's something wrong with us. So it's really important to understand where our beliefs about food and guilt come from so that we can start to dismantle them and reclaim pleasure. And here's the thing, finding pleasure in food will actually help you to feel satisfaction and fullness, which will turn off the drive to overeat. Okay, so now let's talk about comfort eating. I mean, nothing tastes better than the taste of nostalgia. 
I want you to think about all the memorable moments in your life. And my guess is many of them revolved around food. Holidays, birthday celebrations, traveling. I mean, traveling is a big one for me. I love getting to travel and try different cuisines. And when we think of our memorable moments in our lives, they range from joyful, celebratory moments to moments of grief and sadness. Food is part of our culture, a way of bringing community together and creating connection. So eating comfort foods can be a part of a healthy relationship with food if we do it while staying present and guilt-free. Okay, so now let's move on to distraction eating. Food is a great way to avoid feelings that you don't want to experience. But unfortunately, distraction eating also blocks our internal intuitive signals and inhabits us from discovering the source of our feelings and taking care of our true needs. I mean, there's nothing wrong with some distraction, but over time, what happens is we become used to coping with distraction eating, and this becomes problematic if we refuse to acknowledge what's actually going on with us. All right, so now let's talk about sedation and numbness. Eating to the point of numbness or sedation is also a way of coping. Instead of being with difficult emotions, it can feel easier and safer to feel the feeling of fullness. This type of emotional eating can easily become your go-to coping. I mean, it was for me for years. This was the only way that I knew how to cope was to use food to numb because I didn't have the tools to deal with or process my emotions. That's why it can become so easy to turn to food and then feel so hard to stop this behavior. Most of the time, it's simply because we don't have the necessary tools to be with and process difficult emotions. And then let's talk about the last form of emotional eating, which is punishment. This tends to happen when the eating to numb becomes so frequent and so intense that self-blame arises and ultimately triggers punishing behaviors. So this can look like eating large amounts of food in an angry, forceful manner and beating yourself up. So those are the five types of emotional eating that exist on a continuum. I want to remind you that all coping mechanisms are rooted in wisdom and survival. So if you're using food to cope or numb or any form of punishment, there's a reason for it and there's nothing wrong with you. So developing self-compassion instead of falling into the shame spiral is so important and it also takes time. So I want you to be gentle with yourself. All right, now I want to share a process that can help you to be with your emotions rather than turning to food. And again, using food as a form of coping and dealing with difficult emotions is totally normal and can be an effective coping tool. So it's not about getting rid of that coping strategy. It's about adding more tools to your toolbox. So the first step is shifting your beliefs about emotions. Emotions aren't good or bad or right or wrong. They are simply messages from our body. And research shows that an emotion lasts between 60 and 90 seconds. That's it, 60 to 90 seconds. It's gonna pass and you can think of it like a wave. It will peak and then it crashes. And what happens is we prolong the emotion when we judge it or we avoid it or we numb it. So emotions don't go away. We simply eat over them and we're repressing them, but they don't go away and they don't get to be expressed or processed. I know it can feel super uncomfortable to be with our emotions because many of us haven't been taught how to feel. 
or we've been told that it's not okay to express anger, sadness, or loneliness, so it just might not feel safe to feel. But it's important to start to shift your relationship with your emotions because emotions are simply a part of the human experience. So next time you feel an uncomfortable emotion arising, simply remind yourself that emotions aren't good or bad or right or wrong. Then the second step is to pick a coping tool that will support you in the moment. Some tools bring you into the emotion and some pull you out of the emotion. So when you feel an uncomfortable emotion arising, you can ask yourself, do I have the capacity and space to be with this in this moment? And sometimes the answer is no, you might be at work or it just might not be appropriate or safe. So in those moments, it's okay to avoid with the intention to come back, but it's really important to honor the emotion and come back to it. So for example, I have a daily practice where I set aside some time, intentional time every day to process my emotions and feelings that perhaps came up during the day and I just wasn't in the right place or the right time to be with them or process them. Another reason why you might not be able to go into the emotion in the moment is because the emotion might feel too overwhelming. So you might wanna use some distracting tools to lower the intensity of the emotion before you go into the emotion and process it. Some distraction tools might be watching a funny video, going for a walk, playing a game, calling a friend and talking about something lighthearted. Any distraction or any form of distraction that would support you to take the edge off so that then you can go into the emotion safely. So when you're ready and you have the space to go into the emotion, I would like to share an embodiment practice that can support you to be with and process your emotions. So the first step is mindful awareness, naming the emotion that is present and being the compassionate witness. So this can look like I am having feelings of sadness. I am having feelings of loneliness in this moment. Naming whatever is present And if you're not sure of what's alive for you, you can Google feelings wheel and you can use that to support you to perhaps put some words to the emotion that's present. And sometimes you won't be able to name it and that's okay too. It might just feel like an uncomfortable feeling. So that's okay. Be compassionate with yourself, whether or not you're able to name the emotion that's coming up for you. So My suggestion is that you play a song that evokes that emotion. You can pick a song that is three to five minutes long so you know it's going to end, it's not going to last forever, and this helps your nervous system feel safe, knowing that you're only going to be in it for a few minutes. And if you aren't able to name the emotion that is coming up, then simply trust your intuition and you can randomly select a song on Spotify or wherever you listen to music and you'll still be able to do the same process. So as you play this music, allow yourself to be with whatever is coming up. Emotions are energy in motion. So using your breath, sound, and movement will actually help you to move through the emotion and process it. Ask yourself, How does this emotion move through me? And let your body move in that way. Maybe it's moving in a fast way or in a slow, or maybe it's shaking. Each emotion has its own way of expressing itself. So just allow yourself to get curious and allow your body to lead, not your mind. 
you might find that you are dancing and moving in ways that you never have before, and this is a good thing. Then you can ask yourself, what does the emotion sound like? Every emotion also has a sound, but many of us are so constricted around our voice, so making sounds might feel a little uncomfortable, but allow yourself again to just get curious and don't judge yourself for whatever sounds want to come out. And always come back to the breath. Using the breath helps you to move through the emotion. When we hold our breath or we breathe in a shallow way, we are constricting and holding back. So allowing the breath to flow as you're moving and using sound. So powerful to process emotions in this way. And if you randomly selected a song because you weren't sure of what emotion was present, then you can do the same thing. But instead, ask yourself, what is present? What am I moving with? What's here? And again, allowing the body to answer. When we move while experiencing an emotion, it has a cumulative effect of lowering our stress and increasing our comfort level with uncomfortable emotions. So we do this practice to move through our emotions and to also increase our capacity to be with emotions because we can't selectively numb out emotions, right? So we can't just say we don't want to feel sadness or grief. When we numb, we also numb joy and love and all of the expansive emotions. So then it really becomes about slowly expanding our tolerance for all emotions and sensations. And after the movement practice, the next step is to take a few moments to journal about what came up for you. Journaling is a powerful tool that can help you integrate and create clarity. So here you can ask yourself, what do I need? After you've been with and processed the emotion, there might be something else that your body needs. So here's a perfect opportunity to get clarity around that and let yourself just free write for a few minutes. And you can do this by playing another song or setting a timer to create a container. Again, knowing this will only last for a certain amount of time gives your body the sense of safety. All right, and then the final step is to ground. When we move through a lot of emotions and energy, we can feel ungrounded, and then this can lead us to turn to food as a coping strategy. So whatever you do, please don't skip this last step. There are so many different things that you can do to ground. You can go outside barefoot and just feel yourself being supported and held by the earth. You can lay down with a weighted blanket. You can cuddle with your pet. I love to cuddle with my little dog. She is the sweetest, sweetest little thing. You can take a bath. You can drink some hot tea. You can give yourself a hug and just feeling yourself and just giving yourself a tight squeeze. Anything that's going to support you to feel grounded and regulated and just allow yourself to be there a few minutes. So I want to remind you that coping tools are super personalized. I've given you some examples, but of course, the invitation is to explore what works for you. Getting comfortable being with uncomfortable emotions takes time. So start small and be gentle with yourself. I know I keep saying the word gentle, but it's really so important to to start to treat ourselves like we would a young child or our best friend. All right, so let's recap. There are five types of emotional eating that exist on a continuum. They are sensory gratification and pleasure, comfort eating, distraction eating, sedation and numbing, and punishment. 
So sensory gratification and pleasure and comfort eating can be a part of a healthy relationship with food if we do it while staying present and without guilt. Distraction, sedation, numbing, and punishment eating are all coping strategies that at times might be effective. However, you want to be able to add more tools to your toolbox so that you can grow your tolerance to be with and process difficult emotions. You can do this by shifting your beliefs about emotions and reminding yourself that emotions aren't good or bad or right or wrong. They are simply messages from the body. And when you have time and it is safe to go into the emotion, you can create an intentional space to go into an embodiment practice using breath, sound, and movement to support you to move through the emotion. And then taking some time to journal and ground yourself after the embodiment practice. I hope this was helpful. If you have any questions or if you try the embodiment practice and you want to share how it goes, please reach out to me on Instagram at nazira.sakasa. I would absolutely love to hear from you. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. If you heard something that resonated, then please consider subscribing, rating the show, and leaving an Apple podcast review. This is the best way to spread this message and get these much needed conversations out into the world. I cannot begin to tell you how much I appreciate your support and feedback. So as a thank you, I want to give you the body reclamation toolkit and meditation that I created exclusively for podcast listeners. When you subscribe and leave a review, take a screenshot and email it to support at nazirasakasa.com or DM me on Instagram at nazira.sakasa and I will send you those gifts. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love and support on your body reclamation journey. Bye.